Welcome to the OA Light Up Candle podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would like to now introduce our speaker for tonight, somebody I've learned from for years, David. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Ori. I'm David. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, David. And um, I have not been to this meeting in a few years. And I spoke here at least once or twice a long time ago and been here periodically. Um, And and, uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just, uh, interesting as a compulsive overeater um i don't like change i think most humans don't like a lot of change and we've all been living in a world of change and every week for me is change and you know speaking i don't know if i've spoken at a regular meeting like a no i have once in in two and a half years this is only the second time speaking in front of real people. <laughs> so it's uh, interesting. And it's and I'll go into a little bit uh, my story in, in, in a few minutes, um, what it used to be like, what happened, and what I'm like now. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting, too, because years ago, when I first came into, I came into OA, I'll, I'll start there. I came in uh, in 1976. I was 15 years old. Uh, came in as a teenager, young person, now I'm a senior citizen, so it's very unique. But anyway, in those days, you know, we didn't have cell phones, and there wasn't all this world distractions. There was no, if you missed TV, you missed it. You didn't run home to watch what you taped. And so meetings were two hours, and, and there was a speaker for like a nap. There was a, a, lead, a leader for 10 minutes, and chairs, and then there was a speaker for like 45 minutes. There was a break, and then a speaker for 45 minutes, and then people went out to fellowship afterwards. That's what things you his That's the historical stuff. And but now meetings and the world is different. And you know, usually meetings are 10, 20 minutes a speaker shares. So this is this will be interesting to have almost 40 minutes. Um, yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit, and, and I do want to talk a lot about uh, what it's like now, because I think there's been a lot going on, um, how I've gotten through the last couple of years, even the last week, um, <laughs> because a, a, a week ago, I test, a week ago, I was sick for, and I'll just go really quick into this, uh, two weeks ago, I started feeling really tired. We'd come back from vacation. And I'm like, I can't have COVID. I just had a, a, a second booster and I don't have a fever. I'm not really sick and I had it and I didn't realize it. And then I tested and you know, your whole life changes for a week. And then I, I'm, as of, I stopped having symptoms a week ago, uh, not a week ago, on Monday. And then uh, I was, I tested on Wednesday, I'm fine. But it just changed my life again because I thought I, I thought I had figured it all out. If I, you know, we were going on vacation, it, it June, uh, June second was the first like real 
vacation and like if I get boosted a month before, I'll be okay. And if we wear a mask at the airports, I'll be okay. And I can't figure this life, this, I can't figure life out. It's really another lesson in powerlessness and I just can't figure it out. So uh, anyway, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more uh, later about that. Anyway, um, I have been a compulsive overeater my whole life. I'm not like some, of, some people in this program maybe had a normal childhood or a normal toddlerhood or something, and then all of a sudden something happens and they start eating compulsively. I always love food. I always, food always turned me on. It was always there. It was, it was what got me through life. It was, um, it was from, from nursery school. I, 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 I am fortunate, I have really good, a really good memory of my childhood. And I can remember getting excited about snack at nursery school if they had the right, if they had the right snack. And if they didn't, I would be depressed. And I remember that clearly, you know, that the food, what they were serving for snack ruled my moods. And that's to me, the sign that, that I've always been a compulsive overeater. I was a, a chubby kid, but I thought I was the fattest, ugliest, stupidest kid is how I would describe myself. I, I, uh, I was an only child for the first five years of my life. And I, I've come it, it, from these rooms, I've come to realize that so much of life is your perception and, and there's there's no black and white, and it's which way you want to look at things. So I always looked at, I'm lonely, I have no siblings, and my parents fought a lot, and money was tight, and we, we had a very small house. Uh, me and my grandfather had to share a bedroom, and all the stuff, how horrible life was. That, that's how I saw myself as those first few years. The other way, at, at, looking at with another pair of glasses, I was the only child. I was the first, my grandfather had six kids, and at that time, like 10 grandkids, and I was the first kid he got to raise out of all those kids. And all this attention, and, and, uh, and my parents always would say, why do you think, you know, you were so lucky when you were, when you were first born, we went all over, we did this. When we just had one kid, we were able to do so much. They saw it as this wonderful time in their lives. And I just saw it as a lonely, you know, I just was not happy. Um, but that was the difference. And then I thought when my brother was born, when I was five, everything would get fixed. We moved to a new neighborhood. I had a brother. Um, there was all these kids in the neighborhood. All of a sudden, that was going to fix me, uh, this new life all of a sudden I had. And uh, my head, you know, even as a kid, it was just always this chatter in, in my head. The and if somebody looked at me wrong, I didn't want to play with them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so soon I had no friends again. And my brother... I had the same reaction when I had kids. It's like you look forward to having this, uh, this little baby and all of a sudden they just lie there and they don't do anything. And as a five-year-old, it's like, he's supposed to be my playmate. He's supposed to be my, you know, he's supposed to uh, 
keep me occupied. He's supposed to be the person to have fun with. And uh, it just, you know, it just meant more responsibility. It, it meant I had to take care of him a lot. Um, and, um, and the thing in my family, um, food was the way people showed love. It was, you know, our circumstance and everybody in these rooms comes from different circumstances and different cultures and backgrounds. Uh, and, and I think it, a lot of it is universal. Um, but with, with my situation, uh, you know, we, we were a Jewish family and my father was a Holocaust survivor who had, you know, people die of starvation in front of him. And, and he only had one sister survive uh, the, uh, besides himself and that they had a middle sister between them that died of starvation in the other one's arms uh, just before or while they were being liberated from the camps. Um, and, 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 and it wasn't, anyway, and I took that on, that food was so important. And that, that was a message I got, you know, uh, and on my mother's side, her parents, my grandfather had been through pogroms and, and, and really tough times. And they had enough food. My mom always had enough food, like if the Russian army was going to come visit. That was, there was always months and months of supplies of food. Um, and it was always to make sure there's enough food and never, my grandfather, ne he always wanted to kill food, never, and he wasn't fat, but always to make sure we don't waste food. That was his big thing. Like, let's not let anything go to waste. I'll kill it before I let it wait, go to waste. That was his whole thing. And he was a diabetic. He was thin, but he was a diabetic. And he just would eat sugar when he shouldn't. My mother was always having to monitor him and try and stop him. And, 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 um, and then I had this weight problem, and it was, they, they were trying to fix me. And it was one hand, eat because we love you, and then why are you eating so much? You know, and, and, and that's, that's sort of how I grew up. And, and feeling just poorly about myself because I was fat and, and, uh, and you know, being one of the last ones called for sports teams because I was fat, and I just thought of myself I hated to exercise. I was, you know, where my thighs would always rub out, would always get painful because they would rub out. Uh, I'd rub out the material in my thighs and, and get blisters. And I had asthma. All, most of my weight was in my stomach and I would get asthma and could hardly breathe. And my parents sent me, I remember, to uh, sleepaway camps in the mountains. And I would have bad asthma attacks when we'd have to hike or be outdoors. and. And the way I got through that was I would steal money from my parents, you know, take as much money, and then buy candy and stick it in my suitcase so I'd have my stuff. It was like a, like a drug addict making sure they take their drugs with them. That's how I was with food. I had to hide and, and make sure there was enough food. I can still see it to this day that, um, God forbid, there wouldn't be enough food. And now I think about, now I, you know, because now I think about it, it's like, if I would, if I'd go to camp, the kind, the um, the kind of food that they serve and the amounts, that would be like binging three times a day for me. What just what they serve kids, you know, naturally. But it was just seemed like it would. I was just so afraid uh, that I wouldn't have my stuff. Um, 
and 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 of course all the name calling and just just everything not to you know everything not feeling um good about myself and and then I had to eat more you know is how it would go I didn't know I really didn't realize that the food and the weight were combined when I was when I was really young and then when I was 10 years old um my dad took me on a trip to Israel to visit his sister and a few cousins that he had there. Uh, one of his nephews was getting married, and I lost weight on that trip. Uh, he also went with one of his cousins, who's my godfather, and we went to Europe for two weeks and Israel for two weeks, and we walked everywhere, and they, the two of them controlled my food. We only ate breakfast in the hotel, we didn't eat lunch, and then we went out for dinner. And I walked all day long, and I lost weight, and I, I'm sure that's a and that's a really good diet. You know, if you let somebody else control your food, you go into a foreign country where you have no money, no control, and somebody somebody just feeds you, and it wasn't diet food. But I lost like maybe 20 pounds on that trip in a month, and um, it was you know, uh, and I felt really good. I also I also when I went to Israel, I got pure love from my relatives there. I didn't, nobody shamed me. They were happy that I was a fat kid. It meant my aunt, uh, she thought, yeah, he, 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 he can survive. That, I mean, I'm sure that's what she thought when she saw me fat. She thought it was so great, she wanted to fatten me up more. And she made food I wasn't familiar with and, and I got physically sick, so it was really easy not to eat a lot. Um, but I came home saying, oh, and, and when I came home, I got so much attention for losing weight. And it was really dramatic for them. Um, uh, and my mom told me about diets, and that's when I started going on all these diets. And I couldn't make it. A diet, I would go for a day. The first day I went on a diet, I picked a really strict diet, because of course I'm gonna lose all my weight in the first week, is how I, you know, and, and I remember, I went to bed at seven o'clock at night because I couldn't deal with not having food. And then an hour later, I got up and I told my mom, I can't do it, I need something more to eat. And that's how diets would work, I couldn't do it. Uh, you know, I, I still can't, I can't do it. You know, it just, diets, it didn't work. It, it, for me, it, it just, yeah. But I kept trying and, and the more I did it, the weight started going up even more rapidly for, for, at that point. Um, and I gotta say, at, at between like, in the ages of 10 and 12, I was weighing more than I do today. I think I wore like a size 36 or more as a young kid and I was, it was, I was really big. I was probably about 80 pounds overweight at, uh, at, at that age. Like by 12, I was probably about 80 pounds overweight. Um, and the doctor, I remember my mother taking me to my pediatrician, and he said, he told my mom, you know, your heart disease and diabetes runs in your family. If Dave, if you don't do something about David, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna die in his 20s. He's gonna be a really, he's gonna be 250 pounds uh, by the time he's an adult, and he's, you know, he's gonna be a very sick person. And it was true, and I mean, it was just factual, because that's my, the medical history of my family that, that's absolutely wh where I was headed. Um, and then when I was 12 years old in 
1973, my mother came to OA. She, she had her own food issues. And she wound up coming to OA, and, and she did drag me to a few meetings with her, and I wanted nothing to do with you people. It was like people, first of all, there was a very strict uh, food plan at that time. And, um, and I just like, there was no way I could face the world without food. Just the thought of never eating whatever again, I couldn't do. But my mother said, oh, let's abstain together. I didn't know what abstain was, but whatever it is, I didn't want to do it with my mother. And, uh, <laughs> but she, she forced the whole family. And at this point, my brother was underweight. He was really athletic and, and hyper. He was underweight. He, could, he was trying to gain weight. Uh, as a kid, and my father at that time was normal weight, and but my mother needed everybody to be on her food plan. That was the only way she could do OA, and and I remember she'd go to meetings, and I would just be climbing on counters, looking through cupboards to make food, you know, because I I needed I needed my fix. And sometimes if there was nothing else, I would just make a salad and put tons of dressing, and that was that would just fix me. Like I needed something. I just couldn't do whatever it was. And uh, I had learned to cook. My, uh, my dad had been real sick. I guess when I was like nine, 10 years old, he had gotten really sick. And, and my mother had, had to take him almost every day to doctors for, for a while. Um, he, he had a, a, like a tumor on his eye and, 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 uh, forgot what he, exactly what he had, but it's something where he was having to be monitored. And all of a sudden, I, I had to learn to cook for me and my brother. And as a compulsive reader, to learn to cook at nine years old, it was, it was sort of dangerous. You know, it, it was um, to put me in charge of food and my food. But so, and, and that's why I, I knew how to cook. I knew, uh, I knew how to take care of myself with food. And so I remember, yeah, when my mother would go to meetings, you know, cooking for myself, making more food, just having to, to do. But I, you know what, even so I lost weight. Even, even that work that summer of uh, 1973, yeah. Um, I lost a little, and I started uh, junior high, and I remember saying, I, I'll stop gaining weight. I won't be like, my mom, I won't need a weight. I'll just stop gaining weight and I'll outgrow my weight. And of course, it didn't work. I kept gaining weight, but I really was starting to go through puberty and it wasn't, uh, I probably was gaining less rapidly than my body, but, uh, but I still, the head and I was still, I would start diets and start and stop and just all this stuff um, was going on. And, um, Fast forward to 1976, I was about, I graduated junior high, I was about to start high school, and my mother had been in and out of OA, and she was on this comeback in OA, and one of her friends, uh, who had actually 12-stepped her into OA, had a son the, the same age as me, and my mom says, uh, she's, Judy, her friend, is taking Michael to a teen meeting starting in June, would you like to go with him? And we'll carpool to the meetings. We'll take you guys to the meetings. And I really, I don't know why I said yes. See, that was, there was some higher power. I didn't believe in a God, but I agreed. 
and and I went. Uh, and that was my first meeting, my first, I mean, where I came for myself, not because my, not that I was going with my mom. And that was uh, June, the end of June. It's probably, now that I think of the dates, it's probably within a day or two of this date. It was the end of June, it was June 20 something. Um, on a Wednesday, it was at the Maple Center in Beverly Hills. And there was a, uh, one adult who later became my sponsor and six teens. And we just sat around and it was very different from a regular OA meeting. It was more like fellowship. One of those teens who was only 14 is still a member of this program. Um, some people may know her. Um, anyway, I won't go, but anyway, um, it just was amazing. Um, and I kept coming back. I don't know why. Uh, I wasn't going to abstain. I, I just thought maybe if I could, if OA could help me not gain weight. And uh, I, in October of 1976, I was starting to binge at the student store at the, this high school I was starting. And I asked at the meeting, I said, you know, what can I do to stop binging? And the leader said, why don't you call your food in every day? And if you make a commitment, then you won't be going there buying stuff you didn't plan on. <clears throat> and I wasn't going to do it because it actually made sense. So I wasn't going to do it, but I wasn't going to argue. So I just didn't say anything. I said, oh, okay, that's a good idea. And then when we left this, Michael, this friend says, oh, do you want to call me tomorrow with what you're going to eat? And again, I thought his mother's in a way, his maybe he maybe this will give him brownie points if I call him in. You know he wants to me to, to help me. So I started calling my food in, and that's what I date my absence, October 1976. Uh, it wasn't a diet. It wasn't a food plan. I didn't stop eating anything uh, particular, but I've been on this path since then, um, and my goal was only to stop gaining weight. And I remember the first time saying, oh my God, I can feel bones here. And the weight just very slow and that's all I could handle. I would look at my stomach, I can still do it today sometimes, and I can still feel like I'm 80 pounds overweight. And that's the same thing. I was slowly losing weight, but I would still look at myself and say, oh, you're such a fat slob. Um, but it took very, it, it took what it took for me. It took very slow. Um, I also, what I had thought when I first came into OA, I saw something else that I couldn't put my finger on, but I had been very depressed as a, as a child, as a kid. Um, I, I didn't believe in God. I, I felt life was very difficult. I was afraid of death, but it was life. Life was just very difficult. And I had no friends and I didn't like myself. So that's a pretty, like, that's a pretty hard place to be. You know, um, and I remember thinking maybe OA can help me. Maybe this, the people in OA seem to have a way of life that it seems like they're happy. And I remember thinking, I want, I want that, you know, and, and I think that's why I kept coming back. Um, um, we, they started a second OA team meeting at Roxbury Park. And nobody came but this one friend, Michael, and me. And so I kept, 
com- I kept coming because we were trying to get this team meeting started. And then my mom told me about the LA Intergroup, and if you go there, you can announce this team meeting. So I went to the LA Intergroup, and they asked me to join the board and start a team committee. And all of a sudden, I'm giving service. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, from I wasn't going to be like my mom, I'm going to three meetings a week. And I'm like, life started, life really started changing. By the summer of 77, all of a sudden, there were more teens coming to our Saturday meeting. And we'd go out to dinner. And then there was AA dances we'd go to. And I was so afraid to ask girls to dance and to go, like, I never in school went to a dance because I was so terrified of, of dealing with that. And, but with this OA fellowship, I was able to do it. And by that summer, within one year of coming to OA, my life had changed 180 degrees. All of a sudden, I had friends. All of a sudden, I, it's not that I loved myself, but I stopped hating myself. I, people in meetings would say, oh, you're young, you're so cute, you're, you're so lucky to find it, which I hated that, but I did feel their love. That was the one thing. It was like the same love like I got from my aunt in Israel, that just, that unconditional love. I did feel it here, and I kept coming back because of that. And eventually I got, I asked the leader of that meeting, team meeting to be my sponsor. He asked me to write an inventory, which is like, I'll never, I could never, and how many deep dark secrets did a, by then I was 16, 16 year old have, you know, who didn't do anything but stay home. But I, I was willing to just do it slowly. You know, just write one paragraph once in a while. And it took months and months and months, but I wrote an inventory and I gave it away. And we started dealing with my character defects and amends. And the amends mostly were to my parents. Um, We, at that point, you know, my parents, we had a horrible relationship. Me and my mother fought all the time because she was a compulsive overeater also. And just, and she was out of control. She was diabetic and her sugar would be out of whack and, it was just horrible with her. And, but I knew she loved me. That was the one thing. And, and she really tried to, um, to do things for me and my brother. My father, he was, he was a workaholic um, and always at work. And we didn't agree politically on things. And, um, and I, get, I, did, I didn't fight with him. I just didn't deal with him. I just like, just cut him out sort of. Uh, because I didn't agree with him, and I didn't like, uh, I didn't like some of the stuff um, he was doing, and uh, and and I just pretended I didn't live at home. I just mentally pr- acted like I was a boarder in their house, and I did what I did. And I remember my sponsor would say, "You have to take responsibility for your life. You can't blame your parents." That was one of the things that really helped me. You deal with yourself. You can't say your life is shit because of your parents. Deal with yourself. And, and that's what I did for the first three-something years I was in OA. Eventually, when I was 18, I started college. I moved out of the house. And, um, and I slowly realized I had to make living amends to my parents. And I had to, with my father, I had to build a friendship. And so the first thing was just like, go to dinner, just ask him, just me and him to go to dinner and just go to dinner. And, um, and I share about it 
because both my parents died relatively young in their 60s. And both of them, I had a great relationship by the time they passed. And my, my father died three years after my mother. And I was his best friend. Um, you know, and, and we were really close. And it's only because of OA and the work that I did for years and years in this program. Um, and, and, and I'm sad he's gone, um, um, but, but I feel clean and I'm so grateful for this program. These are gifts that I just wanted to be thin, you know, or not, I didn't want to be thin. I wanted to not be obese. I, I, I honest, I didn't care about being fit. I just didn't want to be obese. I didn't want people to make fun of me. I just, I wanted to be able to eat everything and still, and, and have that. I, you know, but all the gifts I got, um, in the last few minutes, I, and maybe there'll be a few minutes for questions. Um, I, I just want to talk about my life today. Um, I love to go high for the person who couldn't breathe, who hated going to camp because I would have asthma attacks and, you know, physically it hurt. Um, I, I hike in this in the local neighborhood, not like big, you know, whatever, like one hour urban hikes, you know? And it's like one of my favorite things to do on the weekends or during the pandemic when I had to stop going to the gym, I started going like in the summer in the evening after work. Um, and like, how did me, who hated, that was my biggest torment, my biggest fear was having to hike. All of a sudden, that's like where I get my spirituality and, and I physically feel good, I take care of myself. I, uh, up until before, up to the pandemic, I started going to the gym for maybe about a 10, 15 year period. And this, again, somebody, I used to hate in, in school to go to the gym because to have to get undressed in front of other guys and they'll see my big stomach and I just, it was just horrifying. And then I got from there to where I didn't care how I look, you know, and especially, you know, there's a lot of young whatever guys and I'm like, I don't care on me, I'm, I don't care. Nobody's make, gonna make fun of me and I don't care. And I would go and, and it was just a way to take care of myself. Um, uh, that um, I, I'm not perfect, but I, I have uh, I, I have uh, a family and I have twins, and and I'm not a perfect father, but I don't I do some of the stuff that I said I would never do. Like uh, my I'll never be like my parents, so I'm not perfect. I don't want to say that, but there's so much I do less. You know, so much I I was really upset because both me and my wife we're sick, as I said last week. My son didn't get it, he lives at home, but my daughter doesn't. And she didn't call like and say, do you need groceries? Now, of course, even with years of absence, we could go weeks and there'll be enough food in our house, okay? <laughs> so, so we were okay. And, and my son, he's autistic, he has an aide, and he was out of the house during the day and a couple, he got us milk and, and lettuce with his aide. But I was upset that my daughter didn't call. I didn't have to disown her. I didn't change the will, you know? I, and I talked to my sponsor about it, and he says, I go through that with my kids too. And, and I just could just be there. And then she called yesterday to see how we were. And I could just take it. And, and, and then we were on vacation at 
the beginning of June, we went up to Washington, thank you, and with my brother and niece and my kids and my wife, and my daughter was great there. You know, she, we were a couple nights in Vancouver. We, we went to Vancouver for a couple nights and she got up early in the morning and bought breakfast and cooked for us all. And, and, I, and it's like, instead of looking that she didn't call us when we were sick, I, I can see that there's two parts and she was great on the trip and she's great with her brother uh, and she's great with her nephew and her, uh, my nephew and niece. Um, and, and so I've learned, this is, diff this is not the person I would have been without this program. Um, my sponsor tells me, even when I'm on vacation, OA goes with me. So when I was on vacation, you know, I take my books and um, I, I made my call. I call them at least once a week. I did, you know, I do that. Absence, it's, it's maybe the food is slightly different, but it go, but it, I don't get a break from life, you know? Um, I, another thing, uh, I wasn't, I, uh, I didn't believe in God. And this program helped me see that there's some higher power. I don't know if it's a God like, a religious type thing or just the spirit of the world, but I just go, the going with the flow, going with the river is how I now see my higher power. I'm also very religious in a non-religious, non-orthodox way. So I go to synagogue uh, almost every Friday night and with my kids, my daughter was saying, she, this is one of the things she loves growing up. Even when we're on vacation, we light candles on Friday night and, and do a couple prayers. And it's not that I think that there's a God that wants me to do that, but it just makes me feel good having customs and traditions. It helps me. I have a very stressful job. And on Friday to just say, Friday night, I don't work. And I just, and, and, my work and my boss and all that, it, they're not my higher power. There's a God, I don't know what the God is, but it's not them and it's not work and it's not all the material things in life. So it works for me now. I've, I've learned to take what I like and leave the rest. It, it, my religion didn't help me when I was a kid. It, it helps me now. Uh, it helps me have a framework for life. I have a, a fellowship, be, you know, it started with just an OA fellowship. And then I was able to then connect with some of my family. And like my brother, we're very close. Uh, and now like people at the synagogue, I have a, I have a support system. And, and, um, and people at my work, there's people I worked with that I have a, a support system. Who would have thought, somebody who was so afraid of people. Um, one of the last things I'm gonna share is, you know, again, somebody who was afraid of people. My, one of my, my jobs, and for two years, I wasn't able to, but one of the things, I manage a bank, and one of the major things that I was hired to do is be out there in the community. And a normal week, you know, I'm at lots of community events, and oh, and even tonight I'm gonna be going to a show and hosting some clients. And like here, this person who was so afraid of people can have a job where that's my thing. And people, and I tell people, you know, I'm basically a shy person, and they're like, they don't see it, they don't know it. And I always think, thank God away, because it, it took, it didn't change. I'm still a shy, I'm, I'm not an outgoing person, but I've been able to connect with people and it started in these rooms. And, and I really do like people, despite how I am. I've been able to take, to accept and, and work on, through the steps, work on my character defects and also to let the good stuff come out too and, and, see, and see a balance. 
Um, I've been able to go through the pandemic. The biggest thing was boredom. I ate over boredom. And then to have two years like where all the stuff, all the things I do at work were taken away. I was able to go into the office every day, but all the stuff I do that fills up my day and my week and that gives me variety, it was all taken away. And the weekends and meetings and, you know, only Zoom meetings all of a sudden. And, and, um, and, and this program helped me learn to deal with change and be resilient and, and, and just take it one day at a time and sometimes kick and scream, but learn to get to acceptance. Um, and, and one, sh I just want to give a shout out. I really appreciate that there are some meetings in person because I do think fellowship is important. And, you know, and if any of the guys in here, if you know guys, there's a in-person men's stag on Wednesday that we, it's hybrid and we do meet in person. And, and I just appreciate that this fellowship because I need it 40 whatever years I need to go to meetings every week I need to call my sponsor at least once a week I need to meditate and pray every day so um that's it anyway thank you all for listening to me and I don't know if there's five minutes left or any time for questions thank you very much for a lovely share um, you mentioned about being depressed early on. Is that something you still work with, and how do you work with that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Uh, I still, you know what, I, I believe, and this is an outside issue, but there's some... You could just repeat that. Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody asked about how I, that I talked about depression and how, if I still, and how I deal with depression. Um, I still get depressed. And sometimes I think it's just a, a it's physical. You know, it, it's sometimes depression is physical, and, and sometimes people need more. I don't need drugs. I don't, you know, medication. But I sometimes, but I don't. I've learned in this program that I don't beat myself, and I still do what I need to do, even how I'm, if I'm depressed. Um, I hit a really bad depression a week ago Friday, and I think it's because I already had COVID, not realizing it. I was at work, and I was so depressed. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to do anything, but I, I've learned in programs, just, just show up. I need it to be at work. I'm just going to do what I have to do. I don't have to be perfect. I just can get through until the day is over. That's when I realized I was sick, cause I, but I, I really was really depressed. And I've learned to just, ex when I feel like that, accept it. Uh, and I get, with program, I get depressed less because I'm not doing things that then make me feel bad or, or compounding it with depressing things. But, but I do still deal with that. Uh, yeah. And I, and I also know it'll end. Yeah. Um, um, do you have an abstinence or what, what's your abstinence or your food plan like? Yeah, so the question is what's my abstinence or food plan like? Uh, it's changed. My absence is that I don't binge. That's my bottom line absence. I, I don't, I eat basically three meals a day, but I split meals. Like, you know, we're going to a show at 7.30. It's, gonna, it's too early for dinner. We're not going to eat till after 9 o'clock. So I took a piece of fruit that I'm going to have a piece of fruit probably and maybe a latte somewhere or something. I, I keep almonds in my car. It's like one cup, so I know how much it is. And if I'm going to eat later, like if, I go to, if I'm coming home from work late, I have a few almonds. To me, that's still part of my meat. Like, I sort of, I don't have a, a strict, um, I, I don't have a strict food plan. When I started, I called in my food as I shared. Uh, 
I, I used to count calories when I was new to just to try and figure out what a moderate meal was. Um, and I try and eat in a way, my, my bottom line to absence is with my sponsor that I try and maintain within a five pound range. And I've been very, very steady for years and years and years. Uh, I did when I started going to the gym and exercising more, my weight dropped about 10 pounds over a couple year period. And now I've been floating within that five pound range. But that's sort of how I know it's like, okay, I'm doing it. But it's, and it works for me. What works for me may not work for anybody else. <coughs> Any other, a couple more minutes, I think. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about the first three years where you said um, you had to sort of um, take responsibility for your life, and um, uh, could you talk more about what that looked like? Yeah, it was really whenever, I mean, it was whenever I'd start telling my sponsor this or that, and it's because my mom does this or my dad, and that's why it was my sponsor that would say, what can you do? What's your part? Why? Or I, or somebody at a meeting shared about, or maybe I read it, that if you don't like, if somebody pushes your buttons, it's because something you see inside yourself. And I was really mad. And I, my, my, and I said, I called my sponsor and I said, I, my mother drives me crazy. She is like loud and she yells at people and I don't do it. I'm quiet. I avoid confrontation. And he says, yeah, you know what? She's pushing your buttons because that's everything you're afraid of being. Yeah, you're not like her. That, but, but your buttons are pushed because there's something in you that just hates and so afraid of ever being like your mother. And to just keep looking at my, it just was, he kept making me look at myself. And it wasn't until I moved out. And then he told me, he says, it's a really good thing you moved out now because it wasn't the best environment for you to live. But he never let me, it was because he, you know, it was that he said, you're not going to recover if you're busy blaming them. Anyway, thank you all for listening to me.